It's late at night. You've turned on the TV. And you've stumbled across a program that promises wealth beyond your dreams. Is it real estate? Is it multi-level marketing? No. It's getting rich through Jesus. Around the world, the last great message of the Creator is being carried with the mighty power of His enabling Spirit. Millions in Russia, America, Africa, Australia, and 200 other countries are saying yes to Christ, where the people once languished in the valley of the shadow of death. The light of the everlasting gospel is now shining. John and Beverly Carter, whose calling has led them to minister in many countries, now invite you to join them for an exciting hour of discovery. As the Word of God brings hope in despair, light in darkness, meaning in confusion, joy in sorrow, and life in death. Hello, I'm Dave Dino, and this is the Carter Report with Pastor John Carter, evangelist and biblical archaeologist. John, it's so good to be with you today. Great to be with you, Dave. Now, you may not say that when I announce the topic that we're going to talk about. This could well be titled, The Most Dangerous Topic in All of Christendom, because we're going to talk about money. Uh -huh. Money can sometimes be a great blessing, and it can sometimes just be the ruin of everything. But most of us are interested in it, Dave. Ah, that's what we're going to talk about today. Is there a relationship between money and giving and prosperity? I mean, let's just jump right into it. Uh, yes and no. There are some people who are extremely rich. They're the biggest crooks under the sun. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so because a person says, look, I'm wealthy. Look, I've got all this money. It means that God must be pleased with me. Mm. That, you know, as the, somebody said, that ain't necessarily so. <laughs> That's not true. And I don't believe, Dave, in this prosperity gospel. I heard a preacher say once, you probably heard it too, uh, name it, mm -hmm. <laughs> claim it, mm -hmm. and then frame it. <laughs> uh, well, let's but, dive into that for a yeah, moment before we yeah. go on, because let's define what we are and what we are not talking about. The prosperity gospel. How would you define it? Prosperity gospel is the idea that says, uh, it, let, let me get, let me be very practical. It's like a television evangelist. He says, well, look, if you send me money, then you're going to get more in return. Uh, I was in Texas once holding a series of meetings and some folks were coming to my meetings and uh, uh, they, they showed me this newspaper or this paper put out by this television evangelist. Mm -hmm. And he said, if you send so much to this ministry within a very short period of time, you're going to have a Cadillac. Uh, uh. <laughs> so it was sort of using God as a bait yeah. for one's own personal wealth and, and grandizement. Is that the correct mm -hmm, word? Mm -hmm. And uh, then I've heard, I've watched another man on television and quite frankly, he, he sort of, I think it's a bit weird because all he talks about from beginning to end is money. Mm. And he's saying, now, if you do this, God is going to bless you. Mm -hmm. And if you, and, but, but the doing of, of the this, you know what the this is, 
sending him money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he says, if you send money to me and to this ministry, then you're going to come under these certain promises and you're going to get wealthy. Now, it doesn't work like that. I don't believe this. I believe this is explo- exploitation of naive people. And I believe it is a twisting of the Word of God. But I still believe that if a person puts his faith in God and obeys the Word of God, that God is going to bless him. I believe that. This prosperity gospel, its origins, it goes way back through the history of the church, doesn't it? Well, people have always been interested in making money out of religion. Mm -hmm. And when you turn to the New Testament, the Apostle Paul talks about people who use godliness for their own gain, you know? Godliness for their own gain. And today we talk about the Jesus bit. Well, we don't talk about it, but I've heard talk, people talk about mm-hmm. the, the Jesus bit. You know, it's pretty blasphemous, isn't it? Mm. And Jesus is simply used by super religious salesmen as a means to extort money from naive, simple people. And often people who've got great needs, are people who are hurting emotionally and spiritually and people who are, are sick physically. And they say, you know, if you have faith and if you put money into this, then God is going to take away your cancer. This is unscrupulous. It's ungodly. It's evil. John, it almost strikes me as if it's gambling. Yes, well, it's dishonesty, isn't it? Mm. And it's a far call from what is taught in the Bible. But I believe, Dave, that, you know, even though this, the truth of of spirituality and obedience and prosperity has been terribly abused, I believe that there is a relationship between obedience to God and the blessing of God. What is the Bible's overall view toward wealth, toward money? Well, the Bible says a great deal about money. Mm. It says a great deal about money because we're very interested in money. I don't think God is too much concerned about money because he, uh, you know, he doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't need our money, does he? We, no. need, we need to give our money. Somebody told me, uh, I don't know if I can just get this right now, but somebody told me a few days ago about somebody turned up at, at church and uh, or rather he didn't turn up at church. He was a church person and he turned up in heaven. Mm. <laughs> mm. Okay. And uh, he, he came along and he said, look, I, I've been told, uh, he said, up here, uh, things are so wonderful. And, and, and the angel said, uh, yes, he said, did you bring any cement? He said, what, what, why, why would I bring cement? Well, he said, what we need up here is cement because all of our streets are paved with gold. But what we're looking for is a bit of cement. <laughs> so things are turned around because up mm-hmm. in the kingdom of God, we're told the thing, the streets of the cities are paved with gold. And of course, that may be a figure of speech, but it helps us to get things in their true perspective. Dave, the Bible says a great deal about money because money gets a hold on the human heart. Mm-hmm. I can remember baptizing a man once and as he went down in the water, he had a big bulge in his back pocket. It looked mm-hmm. as though something was growing down there. <laughs> big bulge in his back pocket. Mm-hmm. I said to him, friend, you've got something sticky in your pants. Before you get in the water, you better get it out. He said, it's me wallet. He said, it's been a curse all the way through my life. It needs baptizing. And as I get baptized, it's going to get baptized with me. So I took him in and baptized him and baptized his wallet too. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. You see, his wallet needed to get converted. So the Bible knows that money can get into into a human soul. And because it shows our relationship to God, God tells us how we ought to deal with it. 
And it's a part of the obedience thing. If we are obedient to God, which can be expressed in how we deal with our money, so God is able to bless us or not. One of the first pastors in my life had this to say. He said, in your home, there's a book. Mm -hmm. And there's one book that will tell me with a glance your relationship with God. Mm -hmm. One book. <laughs> Can you guess what it is? And of course, everybody says, well, it's uh, the Bible or... Uh, uh, he said, I'll tell you what it is. Yeah, yeah. It's your checkbook. Yeah, your checkbook. <laughs> <laughs> Let me see your checkbook. Dave, can I read you a passage here? Yes. You asked me to give an uh, overriding mm -hmm, view. Mm -hmm. There's a passage here that I have shared with people for years. I once again, I don't believe in this, this shallow prosperity gospel. I don't believe in this. I don't believe in this religious con artist business. Mm -hmm. I don't believe in this. But I do believe there's a relationship between obedience and prosperity. Mm -hmm. And the Bible says in the book of Isaiah that if you are willing and obedient, you will eat of the good of the land. Mm -hmm. So good things come when people are willing and obedient. And it's an interesting thing, and I'd like to elaborate on this a little more as we go along, that the, the best countries in the world, Dave, the most prosperous countries in the world are not people who disobey the Word of God, but the people who most closely come to obedience to the Word of God. And where the Bible has gone in those countries, and you can see them around the world, where the Bible went in the preaching of the other reformers in the Middle Ages, there you have prosperity. There you have low mortality rates. There you have respect for women. And there you have a, a, a lifting up of society. So can I read you this text? I would love to hear this. Here it is, Deuteronomy. Let me see it. I think it's Deuteronomy 28. Mm -hmm. It's called Blessings for Obedience. And Moses said to the people of God, if you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all his commands I give you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations on earth. All these blessings will come upon you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. There's a relationship between blessing and obedience. Mm -hmm. So if I obey God, I do what he tells me to do, Dave. I'm going to be blessed. Now, I keep on reading. You'll be blessed in the city, blessed in the country. The fruit of your womb will be blessed. Your children are going to be blessed. The crops of your land and the young of your livestock, the calves of your herds and the lambs of your flocks, your basket and your kneading trowel will be blessed. You'll be blessed when you come in, blessed when you go out. Blessings coming down from everywhere. Verse 7, the Lord will grant that the enemies that rise up against you will be defeated before you when people sue you. <laughs> if you are obedient to God, he's going to defeat them. You won't need these big, powerful lawyers. That's right. And if you need them, you'll have enough money to pay them. <laughs> uh, they'll come at you, your enemies, from one direction, but flee from you in seven. The Lord will send a blessing on your barns and on everything you put your hand to. The Lord your God will bless you in the land he is giving you. The Lord will establish you as his holy people as he promised you on oath 
if you keep the commands of the Lord your God and walk in all his ways. Then all the peoples on earth will see that you are called by the name of the Lord and they will fear you. The Lord will grant you abundant prosperity. In the fruit of your womb, the young of your livestock and the crops of your ground in the land he swore to your forefathers to give you. The Lord will open the heavens, the storehouse of his bounty to send rain on your land in season and to bless all the work of your hands. You will lend to many nations, but will borrow from none. The Lord will make you the head, not the tail. If you pay attention to the commands of the Lord your God that I give you this day and carefully follow them, you will always be at the top, never at the bottom. The head, not the tail. Now this was spoken, of course, to Israel. Mm -hmm. People have said to me, you know, they've... That's talking to Israel. Are you trying to tell us that this can apply to people today? And my answer is yes. Why? God's got a new Israel, the people of God. When a person becomes a child of God, he becomes a child of Abraham. Mm -hmm. It says that Mm -hmm. in the book. Look, I I better turn to this because some folks may say, hey, we we don't believe this. Well, Mm -hmm. that's okay, but just give me, let me have an opportunity here. I hope that those who are watching will take their Bible out and they will read along with us and look at these passages with us. Yes. Maybe mark them and underline them for future reference. The Bible tells us very, very plainly, it says here, there is neither Jew or Greek. This is Galatians Mm 3.28. Slave or free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. If I belong to Christ, then I am Abraham's seed and I am a spiritual Israelite and I am entitled to claim this promise. Isn't it interesting that as you read through this list of blessings Hmm. back over in Deuteronomy chapter 28, it talked about all these wonderful blessings Hmm. and it gave the condition that these blessings will come from God if you obey. Yes. Today, we tend to think that the blessings come from money. Yes. Yes. Instead of God. Yes, that's right. Yes. Dave, I had a remarkable experience many years ago. Had my first trip around the world. Been around many times since then. I set out from Australia. I traveled right around the circle of the globe. I visited prosperous countries, clean countries, safe countries, healthy countries. And I visited countries that were filthy. Mm. I visited countries where the streets were filled with with litter and and human waste. I've seen women going through piles of garbage and human waste looking for little grains of sand. I visited countries and I have been accosted by by lepers who tried to grab hold of me. And I felt, oh, the filth of these places. I've been to great countries. I've been to countries that are so poor and so wretched where the people are just like like slaves. I learned a lesson. I've never forgotten it. 
the countries that rejected the truth or are ignorant of the truth of the Bible or that turned away from the truths of the Bible are countries that are enslaved by poverty, by fear, by hate, and by violence. Even if they are following religion, if it's, if it's false religion, it pulls down the people, it degrades them until they become like beasts. And so if they're following false religious systems, they are degraded. Take Russia. Russia, which has the potential of being the most wealthy, the most prosperous country in the world, has got more wealth than the United States of America by far, Dave. It is so poor. Why? Because the nation's leaders led the people in a, a grand and a horrific rejection of God. And so what do you find in Russia today? You have poverty, you have fear, you have crime, you've got hatred. You go to, to those countries that accepted the truths of the Bible or to a certain extent accepted the truths of the Bible. And to the extent that they accepted the truths of the Bible, they received tremendous blessings from God. The Bible says, whatever a man sows, that shall he reap. And so do you, you go to those countries that are atheistic, what do you find? Poverty, filth, hatred, crime, ignorance. You go to those countries that are followers of false religious systems, pagan countries following false gods and false Christs and, and that follow idolatry. What do you find? You find women are like the beasts of the field. You find unhealthy people. You find unsanitary conditions. But you go to places that have rejoiced in the knowledge of the Bible. And even though those countries may have many, many problems, and even though they have, may have people who don't believe in God, nevertheless, the salt has been placed there. And Jesus said to his disciples, you are the salt of the earth. And the salt is a tremendous preservative. And where the Bible has gone and God's people have grown in number, there you have prosperity. There you have wide boulevards. There you have great schools and good hospitals and good health care and, and people live long and women take the rightful place where they ought to in society. I believe, Dave, that the teachings of Christ and the teachings of the Bible are the greatest liberating forces known in the human race today. And I believe that these tremendous forces are unleashed in the individual's life when he comes into a saving relationship with God and says, I will obey you. And when he comes into that relationship, God says to him, now we can talk. Mm -hmm. And now I can do for you what I've been wanting to do for so long. I want to bless you. John, somebody hearing this right now. Yes. Out of all of those that are watching, mm -hmm. there may be some who have tremendous wealth, mm -hmm. and yet their life is not happy. No. And they no. wonder why. There may be some who have very little, and they're angry with God because God is not pulling them out of their hardship. And let's talk about those two extremes for just a moment. I mean, are we saying on the one extreme that then if you do not have blessing in your life, the kind of blessing we're talking about. We're talking about some, in a sense, material blessings. If you don't have those, does it mean that, that you're not a good Christian, that you're, you're off in your relationship with Christ and with God? Some of the, the greatest saints have been poor people. Mm -hmm. Some of the greatest saints 
that I have met have been people without a lot of personal wealth. But the blessing that God is talking about here is more than Mercedes and BMW Mm. and a house in Bel Air. It's more than this. It is also inner peace Mm. and joy and happiness. Jesus said, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you will find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. A person who has the burden of Christ finds its light, and he has peace, and he has joy, and he has contentment, and in that sense, he is tremendously blessed. And a person who has peace, Dave, generally speaking, will have better health Mm. because disease Mm -hmm. is dis-ease. And so when you have the living Christ in your heart and when you have the teachings of the Bible inside you, you have a unique peace. Peace with God, peace with yourself. And that generates good health. And good health when given an opportunity, can also generate other blessings Mm -hmm. also, Mm -hmm. like the ability to bring in, yes, material things Mm -hmm. that you can use then to bless others. This peace and health are two of the things that that person who perhaps has accumulated a great deal of wealth would like to have and doesn't have, right? Yes. So we have these two ends looking at each other and saying, I want some of that. Mm-hmm. Why does God give great wealth then? You mean to uh, just anybody? Mm-hmm. God does what He chooses to do. In Russia today, and we talked about that in a recent program, mm-hmm. you have the mafia. Mm-hmm. There are people with immense wealth, immensely unhappy, because I've seen some of them, and many of them have an immensely short life. Mm. because they're getting killed. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, they have enemies and they go in fear and they live what is called a dog's life. They have a terrible life. They've got lots of wealth, but they're terribly miserable. It has always been so. God is sovereign Lord. You know, you can say that the blessing of God even came upon Nebuchadnezzar to the extent that he was a tremendously wealthy person. And so great wealth is not an indication that you're right with God. Mm -hmm. And poverty is not an indication that you're not right with God. Mother Teresa was a poor person. Mm -hmm. She had given up all of these things, but most people consider that she was a godly woman. Mm -hmm. But after having said all of those things, because there are different facets to all of these, these arguments, nevertheless, generally speaking, there is a correlation between a person's obedience to God and the blessing that comes upon him, and that even includes material wealth. Let me give you one little illustration. I have a dear friend. In fact, he's associated with me. As a minister, he doesn't get a big salary. He's got to watch his nickels and his dimes. Mm -hmm. He's certainly not a selfish person. He's a very, very generous person. He's faithful in, in giving to God's cause. But he went out recently, Dave, and needed to buy a suit and he had a budget 
and prayed, God, help me to get a suit that's going to be okay so I can preach in it. And uh, you see, not all ministers are, are wealthy. Mm. <laughs> not all are television evangelists who are, not all people on television are in it for the money. Right. You know, some people are really in it just because they do love God. Not everybody is a crook. And anyhow, this man said he went along looking for a suit, $150. It's a bit hard to believe. He got three. He showed them to me. I said, you got three of those. Where? Where? What's the place? Three suits. He said they were having a special super knockdown once in a lifetime sale. These are imported. I think he said Italian suits. Mm -hmm. There he was, you know, like the million dollar man. <laughs> <laughs> Three suits for $150. God can do these things and God does these things. And I've seen people in terrible poverty as they've got to know God and got to obey his word. They have worked themselves out of poverty. Now people say, why is the United States so prosperous? I have a reason for this. I believe. Why is Russia so bad? The United States is so good. Now, is, all, is Russia all bad? No, Russia's not all bad. Is America all good? No, 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 no. But Russia on the whole rejected the Bible. Russia on the whole turned away from God. Mm -hmm. Russia on, on the whole crucified Christ. But America has the great heritage of the Puritans. What is the heritage of the Puritans? Many Americans have forgotten what their, their wonderful heritage is. The heritage of the Puritans is, is to fear God and to love people and to work hard mm. <laughs> and to be honest and to have integrity. Now, I know that many, many, many people in this country have got away from this and they have become basically secular atheists. Mm -hmm. But nevertheless, much of the salt remains. Mm -hmm. And that wonderful heritage that has come from the Puritans is not dead. And because many of those principles are still believed, the principle of integrity, honesty, and hard work, so you have an unparalleled prosperity in this country. If this country were to turn from God in the same way that Russia turned from God, give this country a generation or two and it would be in exactly the same condition as Russia is today. It would be a, a basket case. John, let's talk about the Christian then. Yes. Who is obeying God, who mm -hmm. loves God. And God has blessed him greatly mm -hmm. with material things. Yes. Given him that peace and that happiness, that good health, and material things that go along with it at the same time. What does he do with what he's been given? What's the expectation? You know, the Church of England had a saying, what is man's chief duty? Mm -hmm. It's to love God and to enjoy him forever. Mm. So we are to love God and we are to enjoy him in the sense that we are to live lives of benevolence and kindness and fruitfulness. Great blessings bring with them great responsibilities. And the very first thing that I can do when I am enjoying this blessing 
whatever the blessing, whether it's small or whether it's great, whether I'm getting $100 a week or whether I'm getting a million dollars a week, I should return a tithe to God. The Bible teaches systematic benevolence and the Bible teaches tithing. I've been tithing now virtually all my life. I believe in tithing. Let's talk about the principle of tithing. Hmm. And not only the principle, but the reality of it for a moment. Yeah. First of all, why do you believe in the principle of tithing? Oh, very simple. Same reason that I believe in Jesus. <laughs> it's taught in the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> Same reason I believe in the Ten Commandments. It's taught in the Bible. But some tithing might, is taught in the Bible. Some might say that tithing is really an Old Testament Mm-hmm. principle, mm-hmm. and it is therefore only to apply to those in Old Testament times. Uh, some also say the commandment, uh, you shall not steal, is an Old Testament mm. principle. Uh, go and talk to them sometime and see how they feel if you go and steal their new mm-hmm. Mercedes. Mm-hmm. Then they'll say that Old Testament principle applies in New Testament times. Mm-hmm. Um, the commandment that says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, That, Dave, is an Old Testament teaching. The command that says you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul is out of the Old Testament. Mm. The New Testament is based upon the Old Testament. The Old Testament is the only Bible that Jesus had. It's the only Bible that the Apostle Paul preached from. Mm. Now, when I go to Russia, I go and I preach with the Old Testament and the New Testament. Apostle Paul didn't. He preached from the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Well, how could he preach from the New Testament? He was still writing it. <laughs> <laughs> and the New Testament was only being written in his time. He was not the only author. So the Old Testament is the very foundation of the church. This mm-hmm. idea that says, oh, we don't want to hear it from the Old Testament. They're throwing away the only Bible that Jesus ever had and the only Bible that the apostles had. They're throwing away the foundation of civilization. They're throwing out the Ten Commandments. Now, tithing is taught in the Old Testament. And I would like, with your permission, let me turn to a text or two on tithing. You come right back to the very beginning of the Bible, back Mm. to the book of Genesis, and you read here about tithing. So it's, it's not something which is uniquely Jewish, you know, because... You mean, you mean it's, not a, it's not a principle that was invented by televangelists? No, no, no. <laughs> unless, uh, unless Abraham and Jacob were televangelists. Uh. And uh, one would have to argue strongly to convince one mm-hmm. about that. Yeah. But if you notice Genesis 28, and you read about tithing by Abraham. Abraham played tithe. But then you read a tremendous story here about a man by the name of Jacob. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will watch over me and keep me on my journey and give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's house, then the Lord, my, the Lord will be my God and this stone that I've set up as a pillar will be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will surely give you a tenth. Mm-hmm. And so here you go back a long, long time before Moses. Here you go back to the days of, of the patriarchs. Here you got this man, Jacob. But then you go back further. You go back to the days of, of Abraham and you read there the concept of giving to God a tenth. This was an acknowledgement that God was the sovereign Lord, that he was the one who gave you the ability to get this wealth in the first place. 
And so people paid tithes back then because they said, we acknowledge that you are almighty God and that you are the person who has the ability to bless or to withhold blessing. And therefore they returned tithe in loving acknowledgement that God was God. So it is taught in the Old Testament and also taught in the New Testament. Jesus taught it. Hmm. Tell me about that. That Jesus taught mm-hmm. it? Yeah, in Matthew 23 and verse 32, I think the text is. Let me think it harder. Yeah, it's Matthew 23, 32. Mm-hmm. Jesus said, talking about tithing, these things you should have done. Mm. Now he was talking to the Pharisees. They were into tithing and they should have been into tithing but they forgot some more important things such as justice, mercy and love. And Jesus said to the Pharisees, the pompous, hypocritical religious leaders of his own day, he said, you pay tithe, pay tithe on everything. He said, that's great. You should have done these things. That's what you should have done. But you should not have forgotten the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy and faith. And so Jesus said that the the very basic thing that a person can do is to acknowledge the Creator by returning a tithe and not to forget about justice and mercy and love and faith. What do you say to the person that says, now wait a minute, when you talk about tithing, aren't you talking about legalism? This exact, precise, hard 10% figure? Oh, well, no, no, I would never hold a person to a tenth. They can Mm. give a fifth. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) They can give half. But a tenth is the very minimum. It says in the Bible, and I could, look, look, let me read. Mm -hmm. Dave, here's a text over here in Leviticus, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and it's 27 and verse 30. Leviticus 27 and, and verse 30 says, A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. So one thing you've got to settle with people, Dave, is this, the tithe is not yours. Mm-hmm. You try telling the IRS, hey, <laughs> the tax, this tax belongs to me, IRS, get lost. They, they don't take kindly mm-hmm. to that. Mm-hmm. And what do they expect? They expect 25 or 30% or something like this. They say that's theirs and they need it to run this great government or this great country of ours. But the Lord says, the tithe, one-tenth of all that we possess belongs to him and it is holy to the Lord, it's not ours. And so God says, if you obey me and if you follow me and if you acknowledge me, then I'm going to put you in a position where I'm going to open up the windows of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you won't have room enough to receive it. I want to challenge everybody listening today, Dave, to, to take God at his word and obey his word follow his commandments, keep his commandments and return to God a tithe and then stand back and wait for the showers of blessing. In the passage that you read, Mm. it didn't talk only in terms of monetary. No. It talked about other things and that prompts a question on my part and that is, can we tithe in things like time and resources and ministry involvement? Can we tithe in those areas as well? I'm sure we can. I'm sure we can. These, these are wonderful thoughts. Of course, we are to tithe in, in every, everything that we have. Mm-hmm. Look, somebody said, when you join my church, 
You may think I'm going to tell you that one-tenth of your money belongs to God. I've got news for you. We don't tell you that at all. It all belongs to God. Mm. Everything you've got belongs to God. The very life you've got belongs to God. What do you have that you were not given? Yeah, everything belongs mm -hmm. to God. Mm -hmm. But God is gracious. He lets you keep nine-tenths. Mm -hmm. And so you, you, you return to God that which he has claimed, which is a tithe. And then after that, you give offerings. So the tithe is not a part of the offerings. The Bible talks in Malachi about tithes and offerings. Mm -hmm. So what we're saying, Dave, is this, that the Creator God invites us to come into a relationship with Him that is so close and personal and intimate that we will feel His concern for the needs of the world. And the tithes should be used for the preaching of the gospel to save souls for the kingdom of God. And then God says, as you become my partner, because I am Lord of all and King of kings, and because I own the cattle on a thousand hills, and because the silver is mine and the gold is mine, I'm going to bless you so you can bless others. Here's a question that I think will make hmm. your eyes light up. <laughs> They're not lit up yet? Oh, you're, you're getting pretty <laughs> excited already. But listen to this. What would happen? Mm-hmm. What would happen to the effectiveness of the church today in the world if every believer tithed? If every believer, not in a legalistic sense, hmm. not in a harsh saying, look, I do this so I can earn merit with God. I'm doing this so I can be saved. Mm -hmm. I'm going this so God will say what a good boy you are. <laughs> no, no, no. If every believer, because out of sheer gratitude to God, tithed, there'd be so much money in the storehouse that the gospel would go quickly to the whole world and Jesus would come. That's what would happen. Jesus said, this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world as a witness unto all nations and then the end will come. The only thing that stops the end of the world or the coming of Jesus mm -hmm. is that the gospel commission has not been fulfilled. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons, well, Jesus said that, this gospel mm -hmm. of the kingdom That's shall right. be preached in all the world and then the end shall come. Mm -hmm. So the coming of Christ is contingent upon the church's fulfillment of the gospel commission. And the gospel commission to a certain extent is contingent upon the giving of money to make it possible. Now, somebody said, we work by faith, but Delta Airlines charges us for the plane tickets. <laughs> you see, <laughs> they don't work by faith. Mm -hmm. They work by cash. Mm -hmm. And to preach the gospel takes cash. If you're too heavenly minded, you're of no earthly use. And if every person in this world who claims the name of Christ acknowledge God, you know, a lot of people say, Lord, Lord. Jesus says, that doesn't count for anything. Don't give me that stuff. He said, I don't even know you when you're talking like that and you're not obeying me. He said that in Matthew 7. He said in the last days, heaps of people are going to come to him and say, Lord, Lord, didn't we do this? Didn't we cast out demons? Didn't we do this? Didn't we preach great sermons? And then he's going to say, look, I don't even know you. Depart from me into everlasting fire because you didn't obey my word. So what really counts is obedience to God's word and obedience is an expression of love for God. If there's no love, you can't have obedience. And if you try to have obedience without love, you have legalism. Mm. But when you love God, you want to tithe. 
out of every believer tithed and put it into the kingdom of God, into evangelism, into the preaching of the gospel, then the gospel could go to the world and we would see a tremendous multitude of people gathered into the kingdom of God. You know what God would do? He would pour out more and more blessings upon those who gave. And so if they started out, if somebody started out with, a, with a, say, $100,000 total, that's all he's got, $100,000, and he tithes that. Well, God would bless him so much that soon he'd have 200000 And then as he tithes and that, God would bless him so much that soon he'd have a million dollars. And there would, there would come a movement around the world and there would, it would be like fire, you know, like a bushfire starting, fire in the stubble, it would spread and it would, it, the blessings would go out and then the blessings would go up and the blessings would come down. You really believe that God blesses yes. His people today? Yes, He does. And that the promises of the Bible are true today? Yes. Can I give you, mm -hmm. I can give you illustration after illustration. Mm -hmm. Take the Carter Report ministry. Mm -hmm. We never have any money, but we always have enough. Mm. <laughs> we have a campaign coming on an e-proper trust. Going to cost hundreds of thousands. People say, how much have you got? I say, we got the big zero. Mm. How are you going to get it? Well, we're going to let it be known. We don't beg, we don't urge, we don't steal, we don't borrow. But the Spirit of God goes and talks to people. And there'll be somebody sitting out there in New York State or somebody in Arkansas or somebody in Tennessee or somebody in California. Like an old man called me up the other day. He sent me $20,000. Now this mm. doesn't often happen, but it does happen a mm. bit. Mm. It happens a bit. He, he, he listened to a television program on the work we're doing in Russia. Mm. And he sat down to write a check. And he was feeling in a magnanimous mood. He wrote a check out, right, 10,000. Boy, if I'd been there, I would have taken that and run <laughs> with it. <laughs> As he was writing it out, a voice said, make it 20. Goodness. He said, pardon? <laughs> what did you say? Make it 20. He said, I figure I'll make it 10. 10's a pretty good donation. A voice said to him, make it 20. He said, I'll make it 20. He made it 20. He sent it to me, called me up, and he said, the Lord told me to make it 20. This was months ago. Just recently, he sent me another one for 20. He said, the problem now, he said, whenever I write you a check, it's got to be 20. Because <laughs> the Lord said, make it 20. Not everybody can make it 20,000. But the Bible says, as you are able to give, so the Lord will move upon your heart. And people have told me like that old man, amazing thing is, I seem to have more after giving than I had before. The Lord blesses me. It comes in. I didn't expect it. I sold a property I hadn't been able to sell for years. How do you explain that? He'll say to me, it's just a strange, strange thing. I say, what's happening to you is that you're getting into Deuteronomy. And because you're obeying God, God is delighting in pouring out blessings upon you so thick and fast that they just come tumbling down upon you. God wants to do it for every person, but you've got to have faith. We all know the story of a Christmas carol, mm -hmm. old Ebenezer Scrooge. Mm -hmm. My, what an unhappy old man he was. He was unhappy until he learned to forget himself and to help others. Mm -hmm. 
you spoke of a voice mm. telling this man. Well, this man told me the story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There are other voices in our society that work against that. Yes. The government itself yes. puts out a philosophy that says in this area of taxes mm. that if you are poor enough, mm. you don't have to give any taxes. Yeah. And though the church then comes along and says, no, no, you tithe hmm. according to how God has blessed you, according to what God has given to you. Can the poor tithe? The poor need the blessing as much as the wealthy. Hmm. Why should we tell a poor man, hey, you're not worthy of the blessing of God? Dave, let me read you a passage over here in Malachi on this business of tithing. Mm-hmm. Because I believe all of this. But you see, you've got to have faith. You've got to have faith. You've got to believe that God is in charge of the universe. You've got to believe that he's, he's got all the money in the world. Listen to this, Dave. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. This is Malachi. But you ask how are we to return? Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. Think of robbing God. But you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings, you are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Goodness. The Bible says that if a person doesn't return tithes to God, then he's robbing God. Hmm. And worse still, it says you're under a curse. So some people are miserable and torn apart. They've got no peace of mind and they can't see how they'll ever make ends meet. And the reason could be is that they're robbing God. Now, let me keep reading because it gets stronger. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. The whole tithe says, Mm -hmm. don't, God doesn't take any discounts. Mm -hmm. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. God says, if you are faithful, if you trust me, if you obey me, I'm going to open up the windows of heaven and you're going to go along to the person who sells suits to get a suit, you're going to get three. (laughs) (laughs) Well, people say, well, that doesn't happen. Well, it probably doesn't happen to them Mm. because they don't have faith. But God does bless. And he comes to us at the card report because we've been putting all our money into Russia. We couldn't get a, a place of our own. We said we just... We'll build churches in Russia. We'll try to get by with rented facilities. Then we find find difficulty that we can't continue on. And then God puts large sums of money in our hands and we get this place Mm. that we can use for his glory. You know why? Because of his blessing. God did it. God wants us to step out of the darkness and launch out into the sea. Have faith. John, you said earlier that you tithe. Yes. Tell me about how that started. Oh, that started when I was a poor boy going through college, as poor as poor could be. Mm-hmm. Talk about poverty. I knew what poverty was. Mm-hmm. There were no scholarships in those days, and uh, it was expensive going through college and getting degrees and so forth. And I had been selling books during a vacation. They used to call it portering, selling yeah. books from door to door mm-hmm. in the blazing heat of the Australian sun. Mm. And 
you know, I, I didn't do too badly, but one year I was doing not too good. I, I didn't have a good book to sell. It was a good book, but people just didn't want to buy this, this good book. And I thought, well, look, I'm just scraping up money to get my fees to go and be a minister. God doesn't want me to tithe this. Getting money to be a minister and pay tithe on this money. So I didn't tithe. And my selling got worse and worse and worse. I, I was getting worse. In the end, I said, I know what the problem is. I'm stealing from God. So I went into my church and I returned my tithe, which left me without any money. That was a terrible test of faith. I was working with another young man who wanted to be a minister. He said, no, God doesn't expect this of us. He knows we're poor. He knows we're dedicating our lives to the ministry. How can we tithe? How can you ask other people to tithe if you don't do it yourself? Mm. I tithe, and from that day onwards, I started to sell books more Mm. and more and more. And by the end of my vacation, I had enough money to go back to college. That's how I started tithing. I can't afford not to tithe. And if somebody's watching this telecast and they're rich or they're poor and they're saying, I can't afford to tithe. You're saying, hey, 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 I can't afford to tithe. I've got news for you. You can't afford not to tithe. Has it ever been hard? Yes. Yes. It's often been hard. Yes, it's often been hard. It's often been a struggle. But I can truly say that God has supplied my needs in in a marvelous and a wonderful way, better than I have ever anticipated. I don't know what the future holds and and sometimes you wonder now, how am I going to handle this if it comes? But we are not to worry about the future because we know who holds the future. The future is in the hands of God. John, those watching us right now Hmm. have heard us talk for almost 50 minutes here. Yes. And they may be saying, okay, Hmm. I get it. Hmm. He's been taking me around this bush for 50 minutes around this bush? so that he hmm. can get me to give my money Boy. to some ministry. That's really what this is all about. Sort of missing the point, brother, sister. What do you say to him? I say well, you better just listen to the text of the Bible and not try to find another excuse for uh, obeying God or another excuse for disobeying God. Let me read you something here. The Bible says this, 2 Corinthians 9. Now here's a New Testament text. Mm -hmm. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And then it says, now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Now, Dave, you're looking at someone who has uh, done a lot of work out on farms in Australia, Mm. wheat farms. I'm not much of a farmer. Uh, I keep a pretty mean lawn. You know, I know how to put fertilizer and how to make it green. But I do know this on a wheat farm, the size of the harvest is in direct proportion to the amount that is sown. Mm. Also, you've got to take in consideration the rain too. But you don't get a big harvest off a half an acre. If you want a big harvest, you need to put in hundreds of acres and you need to put in good seed. Mm -hmm. Now, if you put in good seed, 
God blesses that seed, you're going to have a bumper harvest. I have seen harvests in Australia that are staggering. They've made pyramids out of the wheat. You know, so much wheat. The harvest is in proportion to what is sown. If a person sows a little, he's going to get a little. But if a person has great faith in God, God will bless you and God will bless me in proportion to our faith, which is demonstrated by obedience. I want to invite people, like Moses said, now go into the, go into the Red Sea, walk out into it. And if you walk out into the Red Sea, I'm going to work a miracle. I'm going to open up the Red Sea. I'm going to bless you. So God says, I will bless you if you will have faith in me. And the God whom we believe in is a God who can be trusted. He gave his son for us. His son died for us on the cross. If he can't be trusted, I say, Dave, who can we trust? This matter of giving, this matter of tithes mm. is an attitude matter, isn't it? Yes. And it, what we need is an attitude of gratitude. Mm. And if you have an attitude of gratitude because of what God did for you on Calvary, then giving is the, the fruitage of love. And when we give because we love him, we put ourselves in a position where he can pour out so much blessing upon us that we, there won't be room enough to receive it. As I said at the beginning of the program, for some people this is considered to be maybe one of the most dangerous topics for a pastor to talk about. A lot of people might turn and walk away and say, ah, oh, they're just talking about money again. This has been a good lesson for us. Thank you, John. Thank you, Dave. If you'd like to know more about what we've been talking about today, if you'd like to know more about having Christ in your life and all that that means, if you'd like to know more about the blessings that we've been talking about, we invite you to contact us. Call us or write to us. The phone number, the address, they're on your screen right now. We would love to talk with you. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to share with you. Again, the phone number, the address, they're on your screen. Call us. Write to us.